0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. Well, we've been watching news as we do every day, right? And it's always pretty interesting, I think. Things are certainly churning out there, changing. And, you know, it's very interesting. We lowered, uh, the Fed lowered interest rates last week. And what did the, the Fed funds rate, the only rate they control, all the other rates went up. (laughs) As soon as they lowered, the rates went up. Might be because they said they plan on not lowering it any more anytime soon. Or if ever, who knows? Well, not ever, but, you know, relatively speaking. So is the next move up? Is rates going to start moving up? I don't think so. I really don't. I think they're going to stay low. I think they're going to stay low for a very long time. That's what I think. The only way that they could change is if we get inflation, inflation running out of control. And boy, that certainly, certainly doesn't seem to be in the cards. So we're going to have very low rates for a very long time. That's what I think. So I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for joining me today. And if you can, I would like you to call me. You can call me about anything financial, any investing questions, any financial questions you have. I'd be happy to talk about it. And, of course, you drive the show when you do, when you call, and whatever you want to talk about, that's where we go. That's fine with me. As long as it's financial, I'm with you. And, of course, we're all working toward the same goal, financial freedom. And we'll get there. I think we'll get there. I'm I'm pretty much there. I think a lot of people uh, that I know are there, and then there's a lot more people that I know are not there. I know a lot of people older than me that are still have to work. There's not going to be any, if you know, the baby boomer generation. You know, everybody's saying how many are going to retire. And there's a lot of them re, are retiring, but there's a lot more. They're going to have to just keep working. You know, just keep working. They're not. They're not going to. They're not going to retire anytime soon. Hmm. I lost my uh, global relay here. Okay anyways 888-99-CHART is our number uh you can give me a call anytime you want uh we're always working for the same goal the same uh the same financial freedom effort that we're all going to make and of course the market was up today not a lot though i'm by the way people the reason why i'm jumping around is because i'm trying to to get back into my, uh, I've lost internet connection. Hopefully, I haven't lost the audience. Uh, Jorge, am I still on the air? Because I'm losing things. you got to talk to me because I have no I have no global relay. Um, so, 888-99-CHART is our number. I would like you to give me a call. We'll talk about anything financial. We don't have a lot of economic news coming out this week. But we do have some. But it's not unlike last week, where we had a ton of information. We have a bunch, a number of talking points we're going to discuss. One is risky mortgage bonds are back, and delinquencies are piling up. Risky mortgage bonds. Remember those things that drove the market, the stock market crashed it in 2008, crashed the, crashed the housing market. Not quite the same thing, not nearly as bad, but they are mortgage-backed bonds. We're going to talk about that. Also, so which stock has returned the most in the last two decades? Now, you can name, you can name, that's not 20 years, you can name a bunch of stocks that have done very, very well. I'm going to give you the two that done the best, two of the top 10. And where to retire? As far as costs of comfortable retirement in America, and how much do you need? So, what do you think is the cheapest place to retire in America? Not necessarily uh, it'd be comfortable. I'm not talking about you know living in the boonies with no electricity. I'm talking about you know a decent standard of living. You know where would you go? And I want to talk about the ISM non-manufacturing numbers today. Remember, we had manufacturing numbers out last week. I'm talking about the ISM non-manufacturing numbers. And so what what is that doing? You know, that's different now. It's different than manu- you know, manufacturing. Manufacturing have been in a recession. Okay, so, so we're talking about non-manufacturing we're going to discuss. So those are the things we're going to talk about, but, of course, you come first, and here's a call that came in earlier.
2: Hey, guys. Love your show. This is Adam from Los Angeles. I have a question about
0: enterprise value and EBITDA. I believe that enterprise value is a better judge of a balance sheet than book value and that EBITDA is a better way to judge the company's income and cash flow than gap earnings. And I was wondering if you could talk to that point. Hope you're having a great day.
1: Thanks. Ebitda earnings before interest tax depreciation, you know those kinds of things. Um, I I do like Ebitda as the basic way to look at the financial condition of the company as far as earnings and the strength of earnings, because I I don't like I like to see what the depreciation factors they're using, and I and I. There's different, There's many different ways to look at how a company's cash flow is figured, okay? And you can do it many, many different ways, and no one is the best way. It's just what you get comfortable with and what you like. So cash flow is very strong. You know, profit, mar- profit margins and different metrics there are very good. But I do like looking at EBITDA as a number one method of finding out earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, to find out really how strong that money cash is coming in from sales before they start messing with it and try to do tricky things with it. So that's what would be my preferred method. Okay, so uh eight 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 ninety nine charters our number, eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight I would love to hear from you. Give me a call. We're going to take a quick break.
3: This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley's New York City consultation trip is set for this Thursday. Yes, Steve Peasley will be sitting down with listeners to help them maximize the performance of their portfolios. Steve's personalized consultations are offered at no cost and with no obligation. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions.
1: Call 888-99-CHART. Okay, I'm having a little computer problem, so we'll keep chugging along. I'm rebooting certain systems, but first, let's take a caller on our listener line. Claudia called and wants to talk about 401ks.
2: Hi, my name is Claudia. I'm calling from Coral Springs, Florida. Uh, I had a question regarding money that's in a was in a 401k retirement with a company. It's my husband's. He's since left that company and... What we'd like to do is roll that over into uh, an instrument that will allow us to invest the money ourselves. We are considering doing day trading, and, you know, we've been practicing and have good averages, and uh, wanted to get feedback on the best instrument where we can place that money to manage kind of the investments on our own. Any advice you can provide on that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Love your show. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, you can roll the 401k into an IRA. You can always roll old 401ks into IRAs if you wish. And that is probably the preferred method because then from an IRA, you can invest in any way you want to. Almost in anything out there that that you want to invest, you can do, do it through a 401k. I will warn you against day trading. I know practicing and not doing it for real is, is, you know, a lot of people are successful doing it that way. But when they actually do real day trading, it's it's a lot different. So be very, very careful. Um, I had a class, well, was it two, about a month ago, I guess, on day trading. And, um, and uh, you know, there are different methods, do it, do it, but you got to have a method. You got to have a methodology and remember day trading is a is 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 something that most people are not successful with i'm just just the way it the way it is most people are not successful with it um, so so I, I would just be very very careful as i said i'm trying to reboot some of my systems here and i'm almost there parfive so I'm gonna we're gonna do a, a talking point here. Let me see if I can get us up. Now, one of my talking points, um, ISM non-manufacturing. There's uh, Institute of Supply Management puts out uh, puts out numbers right every month. One for manufacturing side of our economy, one for the non-manufacturing or the service sector of our economy. And today we had the service sector number come out. And that service sector number was a surprise to the upside. Okay, this is for October. The number came in at 54.71. It was in September, 52.6. Now, anything above 50 is expansion. Okay, so anything above 50. It's good news. We're still expanding our economy. The manufacturing number we got last week is 48.3. So we actually have a recession going on in the manufacturing side of our economy, but not, not on the service sector. They didn't expect it to be this good. They did not. So that was a very pleasant surprise. Um, oh, Lordy. Um. So that was a very pleasant pleasant surprise. So it kind of, you know, I was debating with the the guys today in the office of whether or not we have seen the low, I'm talking about the low in the economy, have we seen the low of our economic numbers? And I don't know if we're there, I, I really don't. I think it's a possibility, okay, that we might. And that means we really never fell into a recession, if it is true. Okay, I'm back up. Um, So something to think about, just something to think about. Probably take some look at some quick benchmark numbers. Uh, oil is uh, $57 a barrel, so it's been a, up a little buck or two recently. Gasoline is still $2.61. Step for California it's $4.07, right, <laughs> per gallon. We are always way more than everybody else. And I love it. Our governor wants to investigate it. Why is our gasoline so much more than everybody else? And it's so obvious. First of all, they raised the taxes of about 13 cents a gallon this year. Again, they keep raising that. Secondly, we have a special California blend that they have to tra- switch back and forth every summer. Switch back to the normal blend, then back to the special blend for summer and back to You think that that's simple? I'm not saying I'm not saying that we're not getting ripped off. We might be getting ripped off. But politicians act all surprised. Well, when, you, when you're different than everybody else in the country, you shouldn't be all surprised. You're going to have to pay for that. Right? And if you keep taxing everybody, this is a very, very regressive tax because everybody in California uses a car to get around. And therefore, all the, the, the poorest people have to pay all their money to pay buy gasoline. It's just ridiculous, you know. It, it just makes me upset. They, instead of instead of making efforts to make the gasoline cheaper, it's like they make efforts to make it more expensive, and they want to do that. And everybody just keeps voting in the same people. I don't get it, but that's the way it works. Ten-year Treasury one point eight five percent. The two-year one point six two. So that's spreading that 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 uh, the. Uh, Interest rates are spreading between the 2-year and the 10-year instead of shrinking. Remember, that's where it's different. That spread is important. It indicates health in our economy. And gold dropped below $1,500 at $1,495. So that's interesting. Gold still is still holding up pretty well, despite the dollar being very strong. Anyways, those are some of the numbers. On the next talk, Chipotle stock has staged a comeback up 74% this year. 74%. We're going to discuss how Chipotle plans to keep growing. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART.
3: This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called... What are you waiting for? The phone lines are open and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART.
2: Hey guys, this is Daniel from New York. Quick question. Prior to Microsoft's earning recently, I had a call option uh, that would I, which I bought when IV was somewhat high. But as you know, uh, Microsoft, they beat their expectations. They did really well on their earnings. But a lot of people like me, their calls got pretty much uh, IV crushed uh, after the earnings. So I'm still holding on to my call option. But would it be more wise to just sell it at a loss? Or do I hold just hoping that the IV will come back and my option will be worth something? It's basically, I have maybe a week left in my expiration date. So obviously, Theta will eat me alive, but I'm just seeing which one will be the better choice. Thank you, guys. I love your show. I watch it every day in the morning.
1: Well, I probably would take the loss. I think I'd move on. Microsoft is doing very well. Uh, the market is up. It broke the new highs. Uh, you know, I, I think I'd just take, take the loss and move on. Options, everybody, not everybody knows about them, how they work. Call option is, uh, there's call options, put options. There's different types of uh, methodologies. There's strangles, and and there's just so many different kinds of things you can do with them. I like the uh, covered call options. a program that we put together, and I like that the best because you, you buy the stock and you sell options on it just for the premiums and try not to have the stock pulled away from you, called away from you, and you just hold on to stock and you constantly make money. But it's still difficult. No matter how you do this, it's difficult to do. It takes a lot of knowledge, and I am not an expert in it. Justin is much better than I am on options. So if you want to get any more specific than that, you got to call Justin. He'll, he'll be able to do that. That was Microsoft. Everybody, very good company, but it's a little pricey at this point. I mean, their five-year PE range is 15 to 29, and they're going to make six dollars and six dollars and six cents next year. It's 144-dollar stock, so you know, that tells you that it's in the mid twenties. P/E ratio, but the return on equity is forty percent. There, what's really been a good driver for them is cloud computing. I think, and I, we've talked about that. I know Justin has, I have. Uh, that's you know, that's where the future is. You know, companies that have taken advantage of that, that in artificial intelligence. But being talking point today gives us all something to think about. Risky mortgage bonds are back and delinquencies are up. This is a decade after global financial crisis caused by those CDOs and GM all those different kind of mortgage backed securities that really were saying how great they were when they really were full of junk mortgages. Well, this is the same kind of high risk mortgages. Same kind. But they're doing it in a different way. They have different risk factors and it could, you know, it could it could it could work out. So let's talk about that for a minute. What they really are, I'm just making sure we are not running out of time. Uh, they're called, they, they call them, they're not CDOs. They call them, uh, <clears throat> they, call, they call them non qualified mortgage backed securities. Non qualified mortgage are non QM bonds, is what they call them. Non qualified mortgage bonds. And what they do is they package them up. But they're, this time, before when they had the crash in 2008, they were they were telling you how great quality these were because they were backed by properties. Here, they're telling you these are not great quality mortgages. Yes, they're backed by properties, but the people are non-qualified, meaning high-risk people, for one reason or another. Delinquencies are starting to sharply rise, three to five percent. When the normal mortgage bank, the mortgage lending, which is about seven tenths of one percent, they are running between three and five, and they're rising. Now, the the thing that we do not need to worry too much about is that There's not that many of them. There's only 27 billion out there outstanding. 27 billion billion qualified. You might think that's a lot, right? Well, the mortgage market is 10 trillion in size. 10 trillion. Okay. And in 2007, just before the 2008 crash, there was 1.8 trillion bonds that were non-prime borrows. And here we're only talking about $27 billion. so it's So it's much, much smaller. And I don't think it's going to affect the market. I don't think it's going to affect the mortgage business. I don't think it's going to affect anything other than those people who bought these things and who might have high uh, delinquency. But people are chasing Yields that's the worry. Our worry is that the person that's not sophisticated is buying these things and they're chasing the yield. Think, oh, I'm gonna get you know five percent. Wow, I'm getting five percent of my money, and it's a mortgage back something. (laughs) What the higher interest rates you're gonna be getting, and remember, we're in a very low interest rate environment, and the higher interest rates you get, the higher the risk. It's as simple as that. So nothing is free. There is no free ride here. So if you're talking about a non-qualified mortgage-backed uh, bond that you're getting five percent, you have to realize that the chances of that bond is high of going delinquent. It's high compared to a normal bond. It's like junk bonds. Now to go to break. Here's my trivia financial question: Which state has the most expensive commute? And which state? And which city is that state? the list of costliest commute to which state which city I'll have the answers back after this break and now my phone call line is open 888-99-CHART
3: from sunrise to sunset
2: have a question about gold and silver
3: from dusk So I'm wondering what y'all think. The questions keep coming.
2: I have a question about symbol S-T-L-D.
3: From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Hello, uh, Steve Justin uh, Milani here from Bay Area. This is Curtis from Alabama. Hi, Steve. This is Gary from Massachusetts. InvestTalk listeners have one objective, financial freedom. Your opinion on Costco. How they get there and when they get there is up to them.
2: I have started investing.
3: But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance.
0: I really enjoy the podcast. I think I'm finally starting to understand uh, the language and what to look for.
3: Thank you very much. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278.
1: Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Okay, so my trivia question: Which state has the most expensive commute, and which city in that state tops the list for costly commute? The first thing that came to my mind was New York, because I used to commute from New Jersey to New York every day, and it was costly. But then I started thinking, well, maybe they're not talking about you know train or subway or anything like that. They're talking about the car. Well, which state has the highest gasoline? So then I thought, well, maybe it's Hawaii. Hmm. So what's where what is that? Okay, here's my answer. Data from Lending Tree found that commuters in Fremont, California pay about forty-nine dollars per work day, making Fremont the highest rate. San Francisco ranks second number second forty one. Fremont's in the heart of Silicon Valley, everybody. Then on the East Coast, Arlington, Virginia, and Washington, DC. In fourth place, Irvine, California, right near where I live. Huh. I, mean, I, I would like some details. So, Fremont, California, commuters, well, they spend an average of about $12,000 per year in commuting costs. San Francisco costs about 9000 on annual basis. But commuters in New York spent the longest time on their treks to work, clocking in at about two, 42 minutes each way. Now, that I could vouch for that. It took a long time to get into the city and then back out. Now, if you want to cut how, if you want to cut how much you're spending on commuting, you want to making a move to Texas. You want to cut that cost. Go to Texas. Three of the least expensive commuting places are in Texas, in cities in Texas. Now, so the commute might be a lot to do with how much traffic, how long you sit in traffic, how long it takes. And I can vouch for you, Fremont being a terrible place to try to get around in time during rush hour. Fremont down to San Jose or north of Fremont, the traffic is horrendous. Okay? Phone lines are open. I'm going to be heading to New York for a few days, so now's the time to ask your questions before I leave. I'm leaving tomorrow. Here's one that came in earlier at eight 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 ninety nine. chart Hi,
2: this is Kyle from Michigan. I just had a quick question on the IPO opening Monday on Virgin, the space traveling company. was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, never buy IPOs. That's my thought. Now, I've told you many, 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 many times, stay away from IPOs uh, because look at Uber. Uber just uh, today, I think it was today or was it yesterday, I'm not sure, the six-month holding period was over with, and so now insiders can trade. Look how, now look at the stock. People sell. They can finally realize their profits on that, that IPO. The insiders can, at least. So I don't like you and if you can get an IPO and an IPO price that means no one else wants it because those go to you know institutions they buy millions of dollars worth of stock and the broker who's trying to sell it to take it public he only has to make one or two phone calls if it's a very popular IPO if it's not then he has to start calling everybody on his list and you might be you're down, you might be down there on the list well why why wouldn't they buy it because it wasn't any good stay away from IPOs first of all you can't get in on an IPO price second of all you had to buy it in the open market the very after the first trade and if it was any decent at all it shot up if it didn't uh, why would you want to buy it and then six months later you know before that six-month period happens it very often those stocks IPOs are selling below their IPO price there's no reason to be in it there isn't there is none I don't care how good it is. It's rare that you make out on those things. Okay, let's go to Vivian in San Jose. How are you doing, Vivian?
4: I'm doing all right. So I have a long-term care policy that I've had for 20 years, and a few uh, years ago the company stopped doing insurance, but they thought, mm. you know, they're, anyway, now they're trying to um, buy out of it and I don't know whether it's a good idea to buy out of it. Otherwise, I'm going to have to pay several hundred dollars a year more in order to get the policy to continue.
1: So you have a policy, a long-term care insurance policy, and you're paying a level pay, a flat rate per month for it. Is that what you're saying?
4: No, I'm paying a flat rate per year, actually.
1: Okay, and it stayed that, and and has has it ever gone up?
4: Yeah, it went up well, last year or the year before, I think. About $100. Yeah. How another, old are you? Having another, another 100 or $200 more.
1: Yeah. Vivian, how old are you? Are you retirement age yet?
4: Yeah, I've been retired, officially retired for 20 years.
1: Yeah, see, they start raising those prices up because as you get older and older and older, they know it's getting closer and closer and closer that you're going to need to use that policy. And so they try to price it out and try to make it so expensive for you that you want to cancel it. And that's one of the things that really irritates me about the long-term care policies. You know, the, 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 the least, the premium goes up at the worst time in your life when your income is not going up, whereas if you were... Yeah, well, it was
4: supposed to stay ur- the same when I bought it. But, yeah.
1: Know, like- yeah, that's how they sell it so- to you, too. That's very common. They're very, I won't say dishonest, but pretty uh, slick. Now, the question is, how's your health? Do you think you're going to need it? Most people don't use our long-term care policies. Most people don't.
4: Yeah, I know. Well, that's what I'm wondering, too. Maybe I should just buy out of it.
1: Yeah, I kind of like that idea because I just don't think they're worth the money. I don't. And premium is going to keep going up and it's going to get going up faster every year. So the longer you live, the more expensive it's going to get. And, yeah. you, and right at the time when you really can't afford it, you know? So good luck with it, baby. Oh, it's a tough one. Only but I probably. Days,
4: and this yeah, one's I know. Yeah, I know. Years.
1: I know, believe me, I, I know how they work. Um, you know, that's really a tough decision. I still don't care for them. Unless you have poor health, you know, I would I would probably get rid of it. That would be me. Vivian, thanks for the call. I've had two situations in my life and where someone had long-term care, and both times when we thought that would kick in, they did not. And it was like, wait a minute, you pay all these years on premium, you're not getting any benefit. Twice. One was my brother who lived with me here at the house when he was ill until he passed away. And, you know, because he was here not in a nursing home and he didn't need a full-time nurse or, you know, and that policy excluded just work, uh, healthcare workers, it was just really fried me. So I'm kind of sour on the whole, whole idea. I'm sorry, but I am. I'm Steve Peace and You're listening to Invest Talk. You want to grow your wealth? Well, we all do, don't we? That's fine. But, of course, you have to make proper, healthy, smart investment decisions. And, of course, you have to also understand how much risk you're taking. And I talk about this quite often. How much risk do you take? How much risk should you be taking? And how do you measure that risk? And, of course, we have a tool at BestTalk.com to help with that. It's called Riskalyze. It's just a short questionnaire. and tries to determine what your risk score is between 0 and 100, 80 being the SP 500 level of risk. And then we try to take a look at your portfolio and see how it fits. Something you might be interested in. Go to investtalk.com, take the test. But now I'm ready to take your questions at 888 99Chart.
3: This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley's New York City consultation trip is set for this Thursday. Yes, Steve Peasley will be sitting down with listeners to help them maximize the performance of their portfolios. Steve's personalized consultations are offered at no cost and with no obligation. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278.
1: Okay, so which stock, which stock, major stock, stocks you know and I'm familiar with? These are not some tiny little company that I'm saying, oh, that one. No, which major stock in the last 20 years has returned the most? So if you spent $100 and bought the stock, how much would it be worth today? Now, the number one, it's Monster. You know the drinks? The monster drinks, the the, the uh, energy drinks, a hundred dollars twenty years ago is now worth sixty two thousand four hundred forty four dollars. Can you believe that? The next one, number two, is Netflix. A hundred dollars twenty years ago is worth twenty three thousand dollars today. How about Apple? Apple is like fifth or sixth on the list. Apple a hundred dollars. 20 years ago, would be worth $7,416 today. So, tells you those are all growth stocks, even Apple, even though they were big 20 years ago, too. So, growth has been the big returner in the last 10 years or so. Since the 2008 market crash, growth stocks, And it looks like just now, value stocks are starting to get some traction, finally. Uh, And, and, you know, value stocks generally outperform growth stocks over very long periods of time. But not the last 20 years. Not really. (laughs) It was not. It's been all about growth since 2003. There There was a period in there a couple few years that value stocks took over, but not very long. And it's been growth stocks ever since. Kind of interesting. Too bad we didn't all buy a couple thousand dollars worth of monster twenty years ago. I know I didn't, <laughs> but that tells you the power of the stocks. If you get to the right one and just hold on to it, these this is holding on to. If you would have held on to Apple, just held on. Don't try to get in and out or Netflix. Trying to get in and out. Try to figure out where I should get out. No, if they are a stock that's fundamentals are still growing, still strong, you just stay with it, high and low, through thick and thin. Just stay with it. And that this is a perfect lesson in that. You, because remember that in the last 20 years, you had that huge 50% hit on the stock market in 2008. Drop, Markets dropped 50%. These stocks you still stayed with. Interesting stuff. Okay, let's grab another caller. 888-99-CHART.
2: Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Jason from Salt Lake. My question
3: has to do with bonds. I'm looking into buying a bond ETF and a quick search shows me international government bonds, inflation protected bonds, corporate bonds, high yield bonds, national municipal bonds,
2: emerging market bonds, government bonds, and so And each each of those has dozens of options underneath it. So I'm wondering what sort of merits each one has
3: so I can uh, proceed to choose one or some. Thanks, man. I'd
1: love to show you guys. Are killing it. Bye. Okay, just by his listing those bonds, you can see how complex this is get. He didn't even touch on the quality of each one of those bonds. You know, he didn't talk about you know uh, the uh, junk bonds versus uh, investment grade bonds and in, in the corporate area or in the municipal bonds. He didn't mention that they're double tax free. You know, but, you know, and, uh, so there's so many things to look at. It's difficult to say which one should you be in. Now, let's talk about bond funds, mutual funds or ETS versus actually owning the bonds themselves. See, I think it's much smarter to own the bonds, a group of bonds yourself individually. But that that's a whole nother difficulty for you to find those bonds because the bond dealers nothing not want to talk to you because you're too small if you have millions of dollars so, so um so buying an etf or a bond mutual fund the problem is is they go up and down based on the values of the bonds and the bond values change based on what interest rates are doing okay if you own the actual bonds the thing, same, same thing happens but at least if you own the bonds it always goes back to par value which is what it was sold at in the first place where in a bond fund they keep reinvesting the bonds and Never goes back to par. It's always at the net asset value, and that always is subject to interest rates moving up and down. And I know I probably just confused a lot of people. This is not an easy subject. If you really want to get into it, probably the best way to do is to call me so we can go over how bonds work because it takes a little explanation. Okay, it's not a simple thing for an individual person to do. Is it easy to buy a bond fund? Sure. Yeah. What kind of bond fund? Exactly the problem you're facing. And do you buy a long-term bond fund where the bonds are uh, maturities are 10 years or more, or short-term? What's better? What? Why? What's the difference? How come? Yeah, it goes on and, on and on. It's not that simple. I mean, we had our monthly meeting today with all my crew, and we talked about bonds and what should we, you know, extend. Should, how? What type of bonds we should get into? And we're just talking basically one area of the bond market, and that's the corporate bonds. Anyway, it's a difficult question. It's not us There's no simple, quick answer to it. So be very careful. And if you want to call me, I'm of course I'm be out. I'll be in New York City for the next three days. Leaving tomorrow. I won't be back till next week. I'll be back early next week. Um, but. Yeah, give me a call next week. I'll be happy to talk to you about it. I talk to anything, any subject, as long as it's financial, anybody at length. I don't try to avoid these kind of... I kind of like talking to people about this stuff. So, I kind of like it. I really like it. So, don't hesitate to call if you want to talk about it. I can talk about it. I will. 888-99-CHART is our number. 888-992-4278. So, the question is, is where... Where do you retire? Where is the most cost effective and comfortable place to retire in America? And that's what I'm going to get to right after this break. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here, as you know, and that is to drive you to get to that area, what we call financial freedom, to get you there. That's the drive. That's what we have to do, everybody. So get your questions in now at 888 99Chart.
3: This is Invest Talk, and now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Steve is here, he's taking your calls live. Step up with your questions now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin, this is Jason from Salt Lake. My question
2: has to do with bonds. Hey, Steve and Justin, Mike from Louisville, Kentucky. Give me your thoughts about Ventas VTR at Ventas, and what are its prospects? And what do you think about is a continued hold, sale, or uh, or anything because of that recent earnings drop, which gave it a hit in value. Appreciate your input. Take care. Love your show out here.
1: Yeah, so they had a really bad earnings report, and it tanked the stock. VTR is a symbol, uh, as a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, that owns and leases senior housing and health care-related properties in 46 states. And I do like this area because of the baby boomers and the – the fundamentals that drive more of these properties is great, and you know, so they had a bad earnings hit a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, and then today they issued 900 million uh, senior notes bonds for 2.8 percent that they were going to use to pay down debt and and. Uh, and maybe invest in more properties. It's a big company, 22.5 billion dollars. So as far as there's no danger of it going under or anything, it pays a 5.2 percent dividend now. But you know, two weeks ago it was 72 dollars a share. Today it's 60. So the question is, will it will it recover? Yes, it will. How long will it take? I don't know. But they, the, the thing that's hurting them was that debt, and they're trying to address it. The return on equity is bad at 4%. But the stock was just overpriced. I mean, it's going to make $3.87 next year. It's a $60 stock. Okay, well, what is that? Around 17, 18 PE? And the five-year range is 11 to 19. So now it's coming way off the top. $72, $74 was the top, I think. So it came way off bad earnings report now now I think it's going to get to a place if he can get and if we go to the high to mid to high 50s I would be a buyer of this stock because the dividends going to be close to six percent at that point and all the bad news are probably be built, built built in if you already own it I probably just hold it you now you're not going to be right hundred percent of the time I don't know when you bought it or what price you bought it at but, you know, if you bought it in the, in the low 70s and now you took that hit, well, you've already taken the hit. I don't know if you want to sell it. It's not like the company is disastrous or anything. It just had a bad earnings report. And earnings are going to fall a little bit this year or next year from the high of last year. That's what it's saying. 888 99 charters our number everybody 888 992 4278 so where is the best place to retire cost of comfortable retirement in america where how much money do you need well the number one is the surveys of course there are always different surveys looking at different things and mississippi was the best low cost comfortable place to retire they have good health care they have different things that you might need and you can live there on an average what did they say um uh, Say so the average uh, the average yearly expense across the country is fifty one thousand six hundred twenty four dollars per year. In Mississippi, it's forty four thousand seven hundred fifty eight. Now, one of the little problems you have in Mississippi one of them, just a little problem they have the lowest life expectancy of seventy four point five years. <laughs> so, that's a little problem. The highest life expectancy is Hawaii. 81 and a half years, and the average is 78.6 years, 78.6 life expectancy. And there's a big difference between male and female, as you all know. Women live a lot longer than the men, and that's just the way it is, guys. I'm not sure why. Uh, I think I think we're getting closer to women, or the women are getting closer to us, one or the others, because we have a lot more women in high-pressure jobs that is probably affecting health. Men have been in the high-pressure jobs. Now, women are getting in those high-end, high high-paying, high-stress-level high jobs, uh, and that could, might be one of the reasons why I, you know we're getting closer to age, or maybe it's just because we have better health care. That could be it, too. I'm sure there all is a factor there, so... Anyways, um, 888-99-CHART. I guess we can't take another caller because uh, we're at the end of our period of the day, and I won't be back till next week. I'll have to be. I'll be in New York. I'm Steve Peasley. and of course this completes another Investop program. And I will be in New York, as I said, for the next few days, and talking to you know, listening to and talking to and discussing listeners' financial conditions. I do enjoy that. Please tell your friends and family members about the show. Have them listen. Maybe they can listen to the podcast while they're working out at the gym or something. You can listen and rate the show anytime, any podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. Or on InvestTalk.com for that matter. Everybody have a great night.